0: Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast, the singing joy to the world, all the boys and girls now edition, as we look back at the final game of the 2019 season, a 33-23 win over the Cleveland Browns. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. And in this week's Fun Facts conversation, it's a rare interview with Bengals Executive Vice President Katie Blackburn on a wide variety of topics ranging from memories of her grandfather Paul Brown to the Sports Illustrated headline that referred to her as the NFL's most powerful woman that nobody talks about. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered. Write to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since... Family recipes. I'm not much of a cook, but every Christmas, I make two things that are tied to my Swedish heritage, Swedish pancakes, and something my mother calls Swedish Christmas potatoes. If you've never had Swedish pancakes, they're very thin and typically served with lingonberry or strawberry jam. As for the Christmas potatoes, I'm not sure they're even really Swedish, but that's what they're called in my family, and they feature lots of butter, heavy cream, onions, and nutmeg. So here's to enjoying family recipes around the holidays, and I'll see you at the gym next week. Now let's get to football. Three weeks ago, the Browns beat the Bengals 27-19 despite lousy passing numbers for quarterback Baker Mayfield. In that game, the NFL leader in commercials was 11-24 for 24 with no touchdown passes, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 38.9. But on Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium, Baker's first pass of the day was a thing of beauty. Mayfield back to throw, moves up in the pocket, flings a high deep ball for Ratley in the end zone. He reaches out, and he's got it for a Cleveland Browns touchdown. 46 yards on the bomb, tossed by Baker Mayfield, and the Browns strike first less than 90 seconds into the game. That three-play, 56-yard drive gave Cleveland a 7-0 lead, but it didn't last... Thanks to Joe Mixon. Dalton hands it off to Mixon, trying to run wide to the left. Little shimmy to get away from a Cleveland defender. Hurdles another, sprinting down the near sideline to the 25. The 20, lowers his shoulder, knocks over Denzel Ward, and goes down at the 15-yard line. A 41-yard run for Joe Mixon. That run put Joe up and over 1,000 rushing yards for the season, despite only having 320 at the midway point of the year. Over the Bengals' final eight games, Mixon rushed for 817 yards. Here's center Trey Hopkins. I'm so happy for that guy. Coming from, I mean, the way
1: the season's gone, the first half of the year, I know he had to be frustrated, but he never, he never let it get to him. He always was a team guy. And then, I mean, just to see that he still reached a, a thousand yards in the second half of the season, I mean,
0: it feels, it feels great to, to know that I got to block that guy. Mixon's long run on the Bengals' opening drive set up their first touchdown. First and 10 from the 15. Here's a pass oh. toward the end zone. Caught by C.J. Uzama, who grog spikes it after the touchdown grab. And the Bengals are a P.A.T. away from tying this game. Here's Tyler Boyd on the importance of answering the Browns' quick strike with a touchdown of their own.
2: That's how you, that's how you uh, change the game, man. You got you to answer at the end of the day, man. It was still early. They had three plays. It was what? They had two minutes off the clock. This is a lot of football left, man. So uh, we just gotta go out there and just 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 find it, find find ourselves, and uh, go out there and, and dominate.
0: Speaking of Boyd, he reached a milestone of his own. On third down and 14, Dalton is back to throw. The protection is great. He guns it on the middle, a leaping catch, made for a first down at midfield. With that catch, Tyler Boyd goes up and over 1,000 receiving yards for the season. You're one of six receivers in Bengals history to have more than one 1,000 yard season. What's that mean to you at this stage of your career?
2: Man, it, it means a lot, you know, because I know what it took for me to get here. You know, and um, just continue to keep, continue to fight through the hard times, man. That's the only thing I really think about. Uh, just just facing adversity, man. Coming this far and and still being here and doing what I do best, you know, since I was a kid, and continue to strive and uh, just just make plays, man. Baker Mayfield's first pass of the day was a long touchdown.
0: His fourth of the day was picked off. Catches a shotgun snap, back to throw. His pass, picked off by Darius Phillips. He's on his feet at the 20, the 15, the 10, the five. He dives and goes down at the three yard line. Offensive lineman Wyatt Teller with the stop. Darius Phillips, it's incredible. That's his third interception on fewer than 10 passes thrown in his direction this year and three plays later the Bengals had the lead third down and goal from the three shotgun snap Dalton hands it to Mixon lowers the shoulder pads and busts his way into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown yeah he spins the football and launches into his Bay Area dance as the Bengals have taken the lead Randy Bullock missed the extra point the only PAT he missed all year And the Bengals led 13-7 after the first quarter. In the second, their lead grew to 13. Dalton drops back to throw from the 12, looking around, scrambling out to the left, being chased. Andy trying to sprint, down to the 5, dives to the pylon, and it's a touchdown! Nice. Nice. That made it 20-7, the first time the Bengals have scored 20 or more in the first half all year. But the Browns answered. A field goal by Austin Seibert made it 20-10, and then Mayfield dialed long distance again. Play action fake, Baker Mayfield with a deep drop, he zings it deep down the middle of the field for Landry, over the shoulder catch, breaks two tackles, and runs into the end zone for a Cleveland Browns touchdown. The Browns missed the extra point, so at the half, Cincinnati led 20-16, with Mixon carrying 15 times for 103 yards. The only scoring in the third quarter was a 47-yard field goal by Bullock that gave the Bengals a seven-point lead. Meanwhile, the Bengals were getting to Mayfield. They sacked him six times overall, and pressure leads to picks on third down and 16 mayfield back to throw has time he's going to fire high and deep from odell beckham jr nice. it's intercepted nice. again by darius phillips has it way back at the 20 running back to the 30 head of steam to the 40 runs to the 50 and gets knocked down near the 50 yard line by jarvis landry second interception of the game Fourth interception of the year for a guy who has barely played. I haven't seen the final snap counts yet, but I'm guessing that Darius Phillips, who missed eight games with a knee injury, will wind up with roughly 100 defensive snaps for the year. That's less than 10% of the Bengals' defensive total, and yet Phillips finished with a team-high four interceptions, only two off the NFL lead. It looked like the Bengals were in good shape when they went up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Dalton in the shotgun back at the seven with Joe Mixon lined up off his right hip. Dalton takes the snap, hands it off to Mixon, and he sprints into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals to go up by two scores early in the fourth quarter. But the way this season has gone for the Bengals, you knew it wouldn't be that easy as the Browns managed to score a touchdown on fourth and goal, from the 20-yard line, the Bengals send a blitz. Baker Mayfield bouncing around in the pocket. Now he's going to fling it toward the end zone. It is caught but out of bounds by Odell Beckham Jr. Nice. He did not get two feet down inbounds. Now the officials are going to talk about it. After huddling with the officials on the field, the ruling is a touchdown. It was an amazing catch by Odell Beckham Jr. to make it a seven-point game there was an appropriate way for the Bengals to put the game away, by putting the ball in the hands of Joe Mixon. Two on the play clock as they snap it. He hands it to Mixon, and Joe
3: bursts up the middle for
0: a first down. Trucks a defender and sprints between the hash marks all the way down to the 25-yard line. A huge run for Joe Mixon, and more time will run off the clock after that 28-yard gain.
1: They had 10 people within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and Joe Mixon split them, and then the only defensive player that was deep to safety came up to put a hit on Joe, and Joe trucked him, lowered his shoulder pads, and ran him over.
0: That defender was safety Sheldrick Redwine. You might say a red wine stain was left on the turf at Paul Brown Stadium. Mixon finished with 26 carries for a career-high 162 yards.
2: You know, it was the last time going out there, you know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, uh, I wanted to leave and, uh, you know, lead the season on a positive note. And uh, I don't really want to talk too much about me, but I thought my line did a great job, you know what I'm saying? The boys getting physical up there, and we set the tone right off the bat. Joe's final long run set up a 46-yard Randy Bullock field goal
0: that gave the Bengals a 10-point lead. An interception by B.W. Webb, Cincinnati's third of the game, ended any hope of a miracle comeback by Cleveland, and Andy Dalton took two snaps in the victory formation to end the game. Dalton under center. He takes a knee, and that is coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. The Bengals end the season on a positive note. As they beat the Cleveland Browns 33 to 23, in what might have been his final game in a Bengals uniform, Dalton jogged off the field to a big ovation with fans chanting his name.
4: I get that that could have been those the last couple snaps that, uh, um, you, know, I, you know, I've played in the Cincinnati Bengals uniform and you know what better way to do it if it is the case again. I don't guys, I don't I have no idea, no idea what's going to happen. Um... But if it is, I mean, you always want to end a game with a, taking a knee. So glad that we was able to do that for from, from my last one, to, if, if that's the case. There's been a lot of support from this city for, you know, not only what I've done on the field, but what we've done off of it. And, um, I mean, the city's meant a lot to us, to my family. I mean, we've, you know, spent my whole married life here. Of, uh, you know, our three kids have been raised here. So, I mean, the city's meant a lot to us. And so... Um, yeah, you know, it feels good to get the appreciation from from the fans chanting my name.
0: After getting benched for three games at midseason, Dalton came back to lead the Bengals to two wins in their final three home games, and Sunday's win means he still has the highest winning percentage of any Bengals quarterback to start at least 25 games. A loss would have dipped him below Ken Anderson. Here's Mixon on the Red Rifle.
2: He a fighter. You know what I'm saying? He went through adversity, and uh, at the end of the day, man, you know, that's, that's Andy Dog. As soon as I came in, he embraced me since day one. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to always ride and die with Andy. You feel me? So at the end of the day, no matter what the situation may be, uh, at the end of the day, I'm sure he's going to fight. And, uh, you know, like I said, don't, nothing in this league come easy, and, uh, you know, I'm definitely proud of how he bounced back with his adversity. I mean, you put anybody else in that situation, they're not going to bounce back like that. And he did that. So, I mean, I take my hat off to him and, you know, I appreciate him for what he did. So, that's how I feel about it.
0: So, the Bengals ended a rough season with a win and a 2-14 and record. The Browns ended a rough decade with a loss to finish 6-10 and fired head coach Freddie Kitchens after just one season. To put the Browns' miserable decade into perspective, we all remember how badly the Bengals struggled in the 1990s as they won a total of 52 games. From 2010 to 2019, the Cleveland Browns won 42 games. Here are Carlos Dunlap and Tyler Eifert on ending this season on a winning note. It's good today, you know,
2: in the year, off with a win. Um, That's a great feeling, but obviously our season didn't go the way we wanted, so that's the big picture. Um, you know we focus in week in week out, but now at the end of the season you evaluate your season So, you know today is good. We're gonna enjoy it celebrate get together go eat um, You know, we don't know how this, this locker room is not gonna be the same after this game We know that so we're gonna get together as a team, you know Do something together and then we're gonna handle everything as it comes.
4: We're gonna go um... hang out and have a little gathering after this so tomorrow when we all have headaches. We'll probably think about it. I mean, enjoy this. yeah, just to, uh, enjoy being together and um, everything that comes with being on a football team, the, you know, the brotherhood, the camaraderie, you know, obviously I've said it before. It doesn't, it didn't go how we wanted it to, but uh, there's still a lot of, spent a lot of time together. So it's so hard because, you, you know, you don't want the season to be over, but it is over. So. YOU KNOW, WE'RE JUST GOING TO ENJOY EACH OTHER. BECAUSE A LOT OF TIME WHEN THE SEASON'S OVER, SOME OF YOUR GOOD FRIENDS ARE IN HERE, BUT EVERYBODY HAS THEIR OWN LIVES IN DIFFERENT PARTS OF THE COUNTRY. And SO YOU WON'T SEE A LOT OF GUYS. And SO, uh, YOU KNOW, we'll JUST ENJOY IT AND HAVE SOME FUN. AFTER
0: THE GAME, DAVE LAPHAM SPENT SIX MINUTES WITH HEAD COACH Zach TAYLOR. COACH,
1: HUGE WIN. DIVISION WIN AT HOME AND FINISH THE SEASON. I MEAN, IT HAD TO BE BIG.
3: IT WAS FUN. You know, and that, that's when you're doing things the right way in a lot of different areas. You got great momentum throughout the game outside of a stretch there at the end of the second quarter. That's what it should feel like. And we all got to remember that because there's a lot of games where we didn't remember what that felt like. And so um, you really got to capture this moment right now and, and feed off of it and, and let us let it propel us into April, let it propel us into August. Um, but this is what it should feel like every week for us.
1: Do you feel like the conclusion of the Miami Dolphin game carried over into the early stages of this football game?
3: We've always had confidence in ourselves. And so I I wouldn't necessarily say that that was any sort of factor. Our guys are confident that um, we should have played better the last time we played Cleveland, and we need to finish this thing off the right way. We get another shot at them three weeks later, and we need to play the way that we know we're supposed to play. And I thought we did. Improved on third down on defense. We improved the red zone on offense. All the things that we did poorly the last time, our guys stepped up and made those plays.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean. Got uh, 16 out of 35 points in the red zone up there. Left 19 on the field today. Four touchdowns and a field goal and, and five red zone opportunities. A mixed extra point. Obviously, uh, you know one one point that you didn't didn't generate there. But penalties. I mean, way down last game up there it was like 99 yards and penalty yards. Uh, I think it was a season high. Today, no factor whatsoever. Like you said, third down was was a big deal. You guys uh, were three for 12 up there, and today I think something like nine for 13 or something like that. Something crazy. What, what What is it? Is it just a matter of uh, focus, concentration? What is it?
3: Just guys stepping up when their number's called. And you look at the end of the fourth quarter, and that's just a great uh, image of how we want to finish this year. The offense got the ball up seven points, drove down the field because guys made plays. Randy stepped up, made a huge field goal in the rain. And then our defense stepped up and got a turnover. And that's how the game ended. And all three phases stepped up and did that. And that's what we've been preaching all year. And so to finish off the last game of the season – that way uh i think just things spe- speaks to the character of this locker room it speaks to the character of the coaching staff to keep these guys going through all the, that adversity we faced
1: joe mixon has rushed for over 300 yards in two games against the cleveland browns he had over 160 today he needed 193 to rush for more yards than he rushed for last year when he led the afc in rushing i thought I've got a shot here now <laughs> so what was it i mean the offensive line obviously taking pride joe taking pride they were just rolling. They were they were getting after the Cleveland Browns and shut Chubb down. I mean, Chubb didn't even have 50, and Joe rushes for over 160. That's a big deal in a football game like this. It
3: is. He ran hard, ran through people. No one wanted to tackle him today because of his physicality. Uh, I thought our linemen our receivers really did a nice job blocking down the field and giving them those lanes, but um, it was just a physical rushing attack by our guys,
1: and, and they executed very well. You got up on them, and uh, they couldn't run the football, shut the running game down, so they had to throw. Baker's got talent. He's got pro bowl receivers to throw to so he made some chunk plays but it was it was a situation where they they were so one-dimensional you guys never really lost control of that football game
3: yeah they've got great weapons all over that offense so I was really pleased with it starts with the run game trying to shut that down get some pressure on the quarterback Um, Odell and Jarvis they're going to make plays it's going to happen but I thought for the most part we came out the second half and minimized those explosive plays and uh, they got the fourth and 20 which is just a you know, a premier player going up and make a play. That's a tough one to stop. But overall, pleased with how our guys finished in the second half.
1: I know uh, when I played, it was usually we'd go back maybe four games as we're preparing for an opponent. And uh, did you emphasize your game since it was only three weeks ago, your game more than anybody else's game? Because this is where we were. This is what we could have done. This is how what we have to do to turn this around.
3: It is because Baltimore is such a unique system that they run, in Arizona now kind of what they've gotten to um, – you know, they're executing well with that quarterback that runs around a lot. So you see unique defensive plans when teams play those two teams. So the next one up was our game, and, and there was a lot to learn from that that we could improve upon, and, and our guys really took that to heart.
1: You know, the one thing, and, and people are going to, people have said it to me, you know, in, um, when, when they asked me, you know, the football team. Only one one, I said, I'm going to tell you something. It, the thing that's amazing to me, there's nobody throwing another guy under the bus, there's no finger pointing, there's no backstabbing, there's none of that going on. It's the most Unbelievable dynamic you you wouldn't and they look at me like I have three heads, you know They don't really believe it, but it's true. I mean this football team stayed. I, I know your emphasis was stay connected my god. They stayed connected
3: Yeah, I mean that's the foundation of our culture is guys sticking together taking accountability for what they can be accountable for um We expected more wins this year, but this has got to be the foundation for a future here. And the wins are going to come if we keep doing the details the right way and raising our standards. And and again, proud of the staff, how the way they've communicated with the players and the the players have taken to it.
1: If, If you had to point to one thing, the biggest improvement that you saw in any phase was?
3: I think our guys just making plays in critical moments. You saw that last week. You saw it this week. You saw it in the Jets game. Um, you started to see more of it. Guys stepping up and, and saying, "I'm gonna be the guy that steps up and make the plays. I'm not just gonna gonna do the bare minimum here. I'm gonna go make a play and try to turn this game." And um, today was a great, uh, great
1: sign of all that. I know uh, coaches have told me in the past, coaching a football season is like dog years. Mm-hmm. You get through you get through one season, it's like you've aged seven years, like like dog years. I, I know I know this this season had its difficulties, but you never lost your energy. You never lost your enthusiasm, I and mean, you you were the beacon light for your whole football team.
3: Well, I think the staff has great energy and they keep you going um, because you can trust everybody. They're all doing their job through 17 weeks. And and that that certainly is a huge help. So we hire the right people. We're heading the right direction. Um, we're just excited to be able to, to attack this
1: offseason. Coach, I uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate all the time that you, you gave us. You are very. Uh, you make yourself very accessible. I know the fans appreciate that and respect that. and. Uh, tell you it's a good way to good way to end a season with a with a win against a division rival uh the cleveland browns who paul brown founded both of these football teams so beating the cleveland browns always has a little bit of something to it
3: it feels pretty good you know it's, <laughs> it's the first time doing this division and it's certainly a, a great way to end the season
0: as lap pointed out in that interview it sounded like a cliche but this year's team really did stick together through thick and thin HERE'S TYLER EIFERT.
4: I REMEMBER YEARS PAST WHEN, YOU KNOW, WE WERE GOING TO THE PLAYOFFS AND AFTER ONE SIDE OF THE BALL HAS A BAD GAME, THE OTHER SIDE OF THE BALL IS YELLING AT, YOU KNOW, AND IT'S JUST, IT'S JUST CRAZY, BUT AS, um, as BAD AS THINGS WERE AT TIMES THIS YEAR, YOU KNOW, GUYS JUST NEVER DID THAT. AND I THINK it was, IT'S uh, A LOT OF THAT IS FROM COACHES LEADERSHIP AND JUST, YOU KNOW, THAT that WAS A BIG POINT OF EMPHASIS THAT WE'RE NOT, WE'RE JUST NOT GOING TO DO IT. and. Um, so hopefully we can build on that going forward, and and in, in the years in the future when we are in the playoff hunt and winning a division, you know that we stay together when, when uh, things aren't going our way and uh, can make a run.
0: Now, time for some post-game analysis with Lap. A 10-point victory to close out the season over the Cleveland Browns, 33-23. to A rough season ends on a very positive note.
1: Very definitely. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, Paul Brown founded both franchises. There'll always be a connection. There'll always be a rivalry. Honestly, the Bengals could have and should have beaten the Cleveland Browns up in Cleveland. 451 yards offense, penalties hurt them. Uh, red zone, lack of red zone execution hurt them. Third down hurt them. All those things today were positives. Limited the penalties. Unbelievable in the red zone, four touchdowns, only one field goal it was the reverse in Cleveland. And uh, And and also on third down, I mean they were three for twelve in Cleveland. They converted like sixty seven percent or something like that here in Cincinnati. So the areas that they needed to improve upon, they really did. They, they they reversed everything and just played a very physical football game. Joe Mixon, man, was just crushing people. I mean, just trucking people, lowering the shoulder, stiff arming, juking them. He showed Everything that he's got, he had his whole arsenal working today big time. He needed 25
0: yards going into the game to get to 1,000 for the season. He got that by his third carry when he had a 41-yard run. He finishes with 162 yards on 26 carries, that's 6.2 per attempt. And over the final nine games of the year, there wasn't a more productive running back in the NFL.
1: He only needed 31 more yards to do what he did last year, 1,168 yards when he led the AFC in rushing. So that's that's amazing, and I sit, asked him about it in the post game. I'm like, Joe, man, I, I thought you might get there. He goes, Hey, I was shooting for it they, sure. I, when I was told on the sideline toward the end of the game that I had a shot at it. You know, we that was that was a goal, and uh, he was very uh, praiseworthy of his offensive line and rightfully so. I mean, they wanted to get they wanted to spring Joe, and uh, and Joe wanted to be sprung. There's no question about it, and um, the running game was the key. I mean, it really was. And then play action stuff, you know, happened off of that. Injuries at the wide receiver position. I mean, you only had four wide receivers and three tight ends going into the football game, and for a while, Tyler Eifert looked like he might be a little limited. So, um, they they did a great job in the red zone with their tight end packages. Uh, Andy Dalton, you know, ran for a touchdown. Uh, Joe. I mean, it was everybody. Everybody contributed, and uh, you know, I, I think once you get a lead like they got on Cleveland. And they shot Chubb down, that was the other thing. Chubb didn't get his 1,500 yards. So Joe outrushed him by like 120 yards or something close to that. Um, And they became one dimensional. And they had to throw the football. And and Baker Mayfield's got some weapons. I mean, he's got Pro Bowl receivers, Landry and Beckham, and they chunked him. You know, they made some plays. I mean, he had a half a dozen throws at least of 20 yards or more, and all of his touchdown passes were 20 yards or more. So he definitely chunked the Bengals, but uh, they never really lost control of the football game.
0: Nick Chubb, by the way, finished with 41 yards on 13 carries, 3.2 per attempt defensively. Carlos Dunlap, two and a half sacks. Yep. Carl Lawson, two sacks, four quarterback hits after having five last week against Miami. Sam Hubbard, a sack and a half. You get a pass rush like that, and you're probably going to give your defensive backs an opportunity to make plays as well.
1: And Darius Phillips did. You know, he had two interceptions, and uh, Darius Phillips ends up with four, leads the team. Um, he's amongst the league leaders, league leaders coming into today's action only had six. So, uh, he, he was very, he gave a lot of credit to the guys up front. He felt like, you know, Baker Mayfield, um, was hurried and and a lot of his reads weren't clean and clear to him as a result of that. And like we said, um, those players are going to make plays. There's no question. They're great players, Pro Bowl players. So they're going to, they're going to have theirs, but for Darius Phillips to have his. And the, the other thing, not only the interception, but he flipped field position. You know, he had these big return yards where he took care of two or three first downs the Bengals offense didn't have to worry about. So he gave them better field position, you know, with his takeaways. And he's gifted that way in space because of his return ability. And, you know, he was, I talked to him a little bit. He was like, I thought I had it on that one. You know, he got hit inside the 10 yard line. I think he got tackled about the five or six yard line. He thought he was in for a score. He said Landry came out of nowhere, but um, that kid, Working with, you got to work with him because he is a natural playmaker. He finds the football, breaks on the football, makes plays. He's he's somebody you got to work with. So the Bengals get a win and
0: still have the first pick in next year's draft. Seems likely they'll use it on a quarterback, Joe Burrow, maybe somebody else. If that's the case, this could have been it for Andy Dalton in a Bengals uniform. He's still under contract for one more year. If it turns out to be his last game in Cincinnati, he leaves with his 70th, 70th win as Cincinnati's starting quarterback and the best winning percentage of anybody in Bengals history to start 25 or more games. Golf clap from Dave Lappam. Andy
1: Dalton is, <laughs> is um, you know, 11 or 12 wins against the Cleveland Browns. He dominated the Cleveland Browns in the division in his, in his time here with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, to, to be involved with five straight playoff appearances your first five years in the league, I mean, at one time, he was 50, 25, and one. Was winning, you know, two, two games for everyone that he lost. And then things started to change. You know, injury, departure of players, whatever the case may be, things started to change. But Andy Dalton is a winner. You know, he won at every level. Uh, pee-wee football, you know, youth basketball, youth baseball, whatever it is. He had never lost more than two in a row at any level until he came to the National Football League. So he's a winner. And, um, and I'm glad to see him. Get a victory. If this is his last game here in Cincinnati, he ends up um, with a lot of records, records with his feet, records with the throwing arm, overall wins. Nothing but uh, nothing but praise for Andy Dalton. Not just as a football player, but we say this about guys, and sometimes it's overused. But as great a player as Andy Dalton is, he's even more incredible human being. I mean, you know, he's man of family and, and faith, and uh, you know, great husband, great dad great friend friend to everybody in the community, great teammate. Andy Dalton's a special guy. Andy
0: Dalton's 204 touchdown passes are a Bengals record, as are his 22 touchdown runs. That's the most by any Bengals quarterback. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview. Traditionally, I like to end the season by going down memory lane with Bengals president Mike Brown. But this year, for the first time, I had the opportunity to visit with another member of the Brown family, his daughter, Katie. Time for some fun facts with Bengals Executive Vice President, Katie Blackburn. I asked your dad about the freezer bowl once. His most vivid memory was you that morning going around the stadium, hanging up homemade banners. Do you remember it as well as he does?
5: Uh, how could you forget? It was <laughs> definitely a very memorable day. And um, obviously it, the weather was, was cold, but... Um, friend of mine um and I all season had made banners that we would go out every game and, and hang up and at one point we pretty much had a banner for every player so that morning in the freezer bowl we took all of our banners and I don't know if we got them all up but we hung we we went out there in the cold weather and somehow managed to you had to tie the string and in cold weather around a metal a metal railing that was a little tough to do sometimes but but we got them up there and it was um that was that was was, the whole day was memorable obviously the whole game and it was just um, a great day with a lot of fun memories but the banners were one part of it that um, I will definitely remember too
0: so those banners had clever sayings like the Turk lurks (laughs) how much time was spent trying to come up with clever sayings for all the Bengals players
5: well we had zap them lap (laughs) them Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that was part of the fun of it I was coming up with something that worked for um, as many guys as we could come up with something that that was fun but that was definitely a fun part of it
0: zap them lap them we'll definitely make it into this week's broadcast <laughs> we're doing fun facts with Katie Blackburn we think of Paul Brown as the most innovative coach in football history if not sports history but for you he was your grandpa Describe your relationship with your grandfather.
5: Probably a pretty typical grandfather relationship. I don't know that I was as focused on the football part as much as thinking of him as a grandfather. He liked to play cards. You know, gin rummy was Mm -hmm. a a favorite um, game to play with him. And then, you know, a lot of family meals and, you know, whether it's Easter or Christmas, um, just spending that time together.
0: He had the ability to intimidate professional football players, but I imagine when he was with his granddaughter, he was just cuddly grandpa.
5: A lot more softness. <laughs> so but you know, I think that was you know part of what he he had a way of obviously reaching people and um, he you know I always had the feeling that he was the proud grandpa. You know, that's how he made me feel. So yeah. he made me feel good.
0: We're doing fun facts with Katie Blackburn. Do you have an all-time most memorable Bengals win?
5: Definitely those wins that got us to the Super Bowl. I can still picture sitting in my seats, and um, after I, the very the first one, I remember being I remember jumping up and down in the aisle, and I remember people <laughs> pointing at me. So, um, but you know, just that that thrill of knowing that we were actually getting the Super Bowl most memorable.
0: On the flip side, is there a most painful loss?
5: Definitely that San Francisco game where there were. Four seconds left and they the game we thought was over but then they threw that touchdown pass and I think I may have kicked the concrete at Riverfront and um, I that one's the most memorable to me.
0: So the regular season game where Sam tried to run out the clock as opposed to just putting it down the field and they threw the touchdown pass to Jerry Rice on the last play.
5: Whatever we did to not, not use up those last four seconds. I still think about all the different things we could have done but yes, that game.
0: All right, Katie, you went to Dartmouth and earned a letter as a hockey goalie. How did you wind up playing hockey?
5: Well, that's probably a question I still ask myself sometimes. (laughs) But um, I went – my brother had played hockey here, and so I was familiar with the game, and I had skated a little bit um, over at Northland Ice Rink. They had Glendale skate, and you'd go and skate Saturday mornings. And then the person that I befriended when I got to Dartmouth was from Minnesota, and she said she was gonna go out for the hockey team. So I went to the meeting, and I, oddly, when I went to Dartmouth, uh, the sport I played most was tennis, And I, but I always sort of wanted to have, just because of being involved with the football side, I'm like, oh, I'd always love to be involved in some sport somehow. And so I went to the hockey meeting, and back then it's not obviously like it is today. For whatever reason, They were willing to take a couple of people who weren't really necessarily great players. So I sort of got to participate with the team for the first year, maybe, and um, finally worked my way into playing. Started out as a wing, finally scored maybe a goal Mm. or two, and then the hockey or the goalie graduated, and they didn't have a goalie. So I volunteered, thinking, hey, there's a little more ice time, but I pretty much started and got benched, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've got one more college letter than I do. You majored in math and economics. Did you choose that with football in mind?
5: When I started at Dartmouth, I sort of thought maybe pre-med, and so I started taking, you know, I, I took organic chemistry, and then I decided maybe something other than pre-med, and obviously I always loved the football side. But, you know, I always had heard, oh, go do, you know, make sure you're doing what you want to do. And um, so I I did not choose that with football in mind. I chose that because once I went away from pre-med, those were the the courses that I most enjoyed and um, then decided I would see what I could could do with those once I went that direction.
0: doing fun facts with Katie Blackburn. After Dartmouth, you earned your law degree at UC, and you did practice for a couple of years. Did you enjoy it?
5: Very much. I, you know, I practiced at Taft, Tiennes, and Hollister and um, just I think the thing about um, being at a law firm is a lot of great people. You got great experience in um, some corporate settings and just, you know, how how things operate um, legally. And so it was great experience and I liked the people. And yeah, it was it was great experience.
0: One of your responsibilities with the Bengals over the years has been negotiating contracts. Does it get emotional?
5: Less so with time. I think you, you learn as you grow that it, you, um, but maybe early on, when you first you know, first start out, I think everybody's a little bit more emotional about some of the things they're doing. But you know as, as, as I've gotten older, now I'm old, <laughs> um, I think I hopefully have grown out of, of it being an emotional thing.
0: In 2016, Sports Illustrated referred to you as the NFL's most powerful woman nobody talks about. I'm sure that was a headline that, that you found embarrassing. But do you think of yourself as a trailblazer for women in sports?
5: Well, that's just not my personality is so much to focus on that kind of thing. So I do believe that anybody should have an opportunity and, and be able to do anything that they think they could be good at. But I I don't know, it's just not my personality. Like you said, that's a very embarrassing headline, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) I feel like I've never worked a day in my life. I love broadcasting a game, I love doing the homework. Do you feel the same way about working in the NFL?
5: Definitely, definitely. I love coming to work every day. Um, You know, I find that there's just different things going on every day and um, still learn something new every day. love the people we work with, love what it's about. I love the football, I love football. And so being able to come and be involved with football every day, I can't imagine anything better.
0: Your daughters, Elizabeth and Caroline, have not followed in your footsteps, at least not yet. Do you hope they eventually will?
5: I mean, honestly, yes. I would love for them to follow in my footsteps or or to to come and be a part of it. I know they're I think they're interested but I do you know I think it's also great for them to go out and get other real real world experience and and then make sure that this is something that they would want to do and make sure it's the right thing for them
0: your husband Troy once said that you curse like a sailor when watching games guilty as charged
5: do I have to answer. Can I plead the fifth?
0: <laughs> you're you're entitled to plead the fifth, but I think that would be admitting admitting your guilt.
5: Um, I mean, I I have on occasion, and I've been working on that too. Like we said, we mature, we mature. But um, I've had my moments sometimes. I'm not going to lie.
0: That puts you in the company of every Bengals fan listening. <laughs> I am guessing.
5: Like I said, it's it is it's something that i've gotten much better at and um i appreciate the game for what it is there are moments when things don't go right all the time and and being able to keep moving on is what it's all about so i've improved
0: i appreciate you doing this you don't love talking about yourself so uh the fact that you did this is much appreciated happy holidays and uh, have a great off season
5: happy holidays thanks dan
0: that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast The Bengals Booth podcast will continue in the offseason just about every week and will obviously have extensive coverage before and after the draft. So if you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest edition of this one right away. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening all season long to the Bengals Booth podcast.